Inspiring stories, practical applications. Doing ministry well. If you found this podcast valuable and are looking for an easy way to support us, you can help us out by claiming your free audiobook and one-month free trial at audibletrial.com slash doingministrywell. That's audibletrial.com slash doingministrywell. Never before in the history of the show have we had to split an interview up into two episodes, but we're going to break history and set history today. We actually have to break this episode into three episodes as I was trying to export part one. Uh, it was too long to even export, so part one is going to be broken up into two parts, and then the original part two is actually going to be part three. So you're going to love it. Enjoy the interview with Jared Miller. All right, and we're back with Jared Miller here in Clarksville, Tennessee. He's down from Louisville. Um, and Jared, we're going to have you share some stories of hearing hearing God's voice but failing at it. So mm. what's, a, what's a story that really sticks out where you're just like, I missed it. Hmm. Boy, well, um, since we uh, talked about it earlier, in that time when I was focused on learning to hear God's voice, I was um, the the largest amount of of noise that I had to tune out is was affected by or really was coming because of I had the volume turned up on people's voices around me Hmm. I had a lot of people pleasing in my heart like if I wasn't if everybody around me wasn't pleased with the decisions I was making then I was uncomfortable highly uncomfortable with any decisions I was making Hmm. even to like minute details of just how I would do my life I mean I was really wrecked with people pleasing and was concerned about how people thought and felt about me. And some of that was just youth. And then some of it is just um, twisted things in my in my soul, you know, where things had just gotten gotten off in my soul. And I still have to course correct on that sometimes. And so there was a lot of the volume was turned up on people's voices. And I had um, a lot of people that were telling me that it wasn't a good idea for me to be with Brianne. That, that didn't seem like the, the path God had for me. Hmm. And so I recognize the value and the, the reality of hearing God speak to you through people around you. And so that reality, my knowledge of that reality, coupled with my people-pleasing motivation, hmm. made it really difficult for me to decipher what God was saying. Hmm. Like, oh, I was wrecked. Just... Uh, just miserable thinking about this. Like, I really like Brienne. I, I, I think she's awesome, but these people are saying she's not good, and I don't know what to do. You know, and so I'm left in this terrible state, and uh, ultimately decide to tell Brienne that, like, hey, I don't think we should talk anymore. It's gonna not be good, and we need to go different directions. And she says, okay. And I, I did it over the phone. We had been, we had been pretty close for, for quite some time talking about getting married and stuff. And, and, and that was kind of freaking me out too. I was 18 and, uh, at that time. And so anyways, I shut it down. I shut that relationship down and, uh, completely did not talk to her, or communicate with her for like nine months. Wow. We crossed paths a couple times in nine months. And, um, and boy, that really, it was bigger than just whether or not it was good for me to be with Brianne. Really what I ended up with that was a, a catalyst for was it brought to light in me 
that I absolutely was not confident in whether or not I was hearing God's voice and whether or not I could decipher his message to me through the noise, but then also through the realities that he speaks to us in different ways, through people, to us directly, in several different ways that he communicates with us. And so I just really, I was in nine months of emotional turmoil because of the relationship that I had cut off. But deeper than that, deep spiritual turmoil, because I realized that I didn't have a compass Hmm. in this. I was in this emotional storm and my instruments, I didn't trust. Hmm. And I have my private pilot's license. And so I've been in those little airplanes with your, with your flight instruments. And those things are pretty important. And you kind of expect that they work and that they're telling you the truth, especially if you lose your bearings, you need to know before you take off that your instruments are working. Well, I had taken off on this journey, found myself in a storm and realized that I had not checked my instruments, didn't know how to check my instruments, had no clue to know if they were, if my, my gauge on life was accurate or not. So it was really like a, just a really crazy time really crazy time and it, it got dark and I got depressed and just didn't like life was not enjoying life at all um, but the deepest issue there was the lack of confidence I had and beyond lack of confidence just a true inability to know if God was speak what God was saying to me because hmm. I was desperate to to for him to lead me hmm. and I didn't want to I didn't want to chart my own course through life because I was pretty certain that I can't spot the future all that well. Hmm. So I would, I was, I was just wrestling until I could confidently go forward with God's direction. And so I chose to, uh, chose to marry Brianne, chose to, uh, back off from a lot of people pleasing stuff and get into a place that was more, um, where I was more independent. So I came into a, a, a new level of maturity where I was in that time I did, I, I gained my confidence mm. in God's voice through that wrestling. And, um, and so I chose to get back with Brienne and she forgave me. That was the number one thing. I was like, dude, I don't know by the time I got back with her, maybe she's, maybe she's long gone. Maybe I've missed out there, but getting back with her, her forgiving me, us getting married has proven so far we got married when we were 20, so it delayed the game about a year or so. But um, but so far, the next 10 years have really, from all I can tell, have proven to be pretty good. Awesome. It's proven to be a pretty good choice. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, totally unrelated. Great. I, I need to need to mention it. We were talking about my buddy Seth Rainwater, and I, I figured out how you've probably heard of him. You just mentioned you had your private... Uh, airplane license pilot's license seth rainwater is our friend mark and my friend who was in a plane that ran out of gas and plummeted to the ground and so i'm sure you heard that story and he's he survived whoa uh, i'm gonna try to up in indiana right yeah yeah Yeah. um so i think we're all gonna hang out here pretty soon on a weekend and uh, it'll be good for you to meet him and uh, I'm going to try to interview him, too, so we wow. can get, get that story, because that story is, is crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. So, yeah, I, I love that we can share a failure of hearing God's voice, because I really think that hearing God's voice is when my relationship with the Lord really became mm-hmm. real, you know, really took off. Like, whoa, God speaks. Mm-hmm. Like, I can hear him. You know, it's it's when things come alive. And it's good to know that we can 
fail at it. And I think fear of failure is something that really holds us back from future success. Yeah. And so it's just good. It's good to good to share the times when we messed up and be like, we don't get it right all the time. I still don't get it right all the time here in yeah. God's voice, but um, it's good to it's good to be hearing him most of the time instead of just mm-hmm. being like, well, I'm just not going to hear because I'm afraid that I might get it wrong. So yeah. that is really really good. Um, I'm going to back up even further. There's so much good stuff here. Last night you talked about righteousness, peace, and joy. And I want you to just hit on that stuff because it was so good. Right on. Uh, That's that's some of my favorite right now. Uh, Wow. Okay, so the... God told me one time I was driving up the street in our neighborhood. I was driving around our neighborhood and I pulled up to a stop sign and God like he does just just spoke down deep in my heart like somewhere in the core wherever that wherever that voice comes in he said there's a treasure in this field and I knew he was talking about our neighborhood he said there's a treasure in this field and somebody's going to get it just out of the blue I'm like whoa there's a treasure in this field somebody's going to get it to me what that immediately queued up in my mind is the imaginary video I have of the parable that Jesus told that the kingdom of heaven is like a man walking through a field, comes upon a treasure that's covered in the field. He uncovers it, sees its great worth, covers it back up, goes away, sells everything he owns to buy the field so that he might possess the treasure. That's the story Jesus told. That pops into my mind as I'm sitting on the stop sign at 18th street and portland avenue i remember right where i was and and i was thinking whoa there's a treasure here somebody's gonna get it i think well it's gonna be me you know like it it, it stirred up this like yeah. kind of thing in my in my heart I'm like well i want it to be me but i realized that god was speaking not just to me but uh also was a word just collectively for our community there's just there's there were a lot of layers to what lord was saying to me they're just like there's there's richness hidden in our neighborhood that a lot of people can't see because our neighborhood like i said earlier has been impoverished for some time that's spirit soul and body Mm -hmm. but there's treasures spirit soul and body in our neighborhood Mm -hmm. that we need to have an ability to see but then also so fast forward a year and I was really asking God, um, had been for a while, ask, looking and asking, God, what's the, what's the point of our evangelism? And evangelism is just one of the operations that we've had in our neighborhood. But when I, when I share Jesus with somebody, when I, when I share the gospel with somebody, like, what am I hoping for there? What am I hoping to see in their life? Am I hoping that they're just going to be, become part of the church, like where they start becoming, being one of those people that shows up at church on Sunday and, and worships God there? And, or do I just hope that everybody in our neighborhood starts going to church every day and we just have this perpetual worship service? And, and, or, or maybe I'm hoping that they'll get to know Jesus and they'll, they'll get better mentally and, and, or whatever ails them and they'll be able to get a job if they don't have a job. And what if everybody in our neighborhood could have a job? Is that what I'm hoping for? Like really God was challenging me with these types of thoughts hmm. and we were thinking about this together. Obviously God already has some good answers, but he's, you know, having this, I feel like we're thinking together and is challenging my perspective. And I'm, and I find myself really 
questioning. I find myself unmotivated to engage with my neighbors as I have in the past because I, I recognize that these people are, they really like Jesus. I haven't found many people that don't like Jesus. Hmm. I mean, talking about the person of Jesus, the hmm. real deal dude Jesus is awesome. Hmm. And I have not met, met many people on the planet that don't like him. But then it's like, well, what's the point though? Like what's their, what's next for this person? Okay. They like Jesus. They're ready to sign on and follow him. What, what does that look like? And so I'm wrestling with that stuff. And, and God pointed out this scripture to me. He said, the kingdom of God, Paul wrote this. He said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when God gave that, he brought my attention to that verse and then brought me back to that time when he said, there's a treasure in this field and somebody's going to get it. And I feel like what he showed me was to couple those two together. Hmm. That the treasure, when Jesus said there, there was a man walking through a field, the kingdom of heaven is like a man walking through a field. He stumbles on a treasure. That the treasure that he stumbled on, the shiny stuff he saw down in that field there was, was righteousness or peace or joy. It was a glimmer. And we see glimmers of, of righteousness and peace and joy. I, I experience certain levels of righteousness peace and joy and those are good things those are things that i really enjoy when i have joy i'm like oh life is good like joy is awesome hmm. and that's a treasure but the field that we find it in the place where we find those things righteousness peace and joy is in the field of the holy spirit hmm. and that's why in the story the man went away and sold everything he had to buy the field that he might possess the treasure he didn't go off and then come back at midnight and cart the treasure off to his house and just like sneakily remove it and take it for himself in that way. No, he bought the field because he knew that if he owned the field, he, he owned the treasure in the field. For us, the Holy Spirit is that field. He's the one worth, worth trading everything for. That if I can give up everything, spirit, soul, and body that I've got, if I can give up everything and trade it for the Holy Spirit, it's worth it because in him, in the Holy Spirit, is righteousness, peace, and joy. Hmm. And so where that's related back to the good news message with, with my neighbors and really anyone on the planet at any given time is that that's the message of the kingdom in their life. That because of Jesus, because of what he's done, that kingdom is available. The kingdom of God is accessible through the doorway of Jesus, who Jesus is and what he did. We can get into that kingdom and we can experience the field of the Holy Spirit, the righteousness, peace, and joy there. And so that is what I'm hoping for. That's the good news that like is that the kingdom of God, that righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit gets interposed on top of our life. That it gets um, basically imposed on top of our current life. Whatever my life is right now, whatever my business is, whatever... Whatever I'm doing, whatever my family is, whatever my aspirations are, when, right, when I trade my current in exchange for this treasure of righteousness, peace, and joy, well, that's what, that's what my personal life looks like when hooked up with Jesus. Hmm. It looks different than your life. It looks different than the next life. It's my life, but now it, it's, it's, uh, 
I own, I possess this treasure of righteousness, peace, and joy. And then it starts playing out into all kinds of fun stewardship stuff. It's like, well, how do I increase now that I, now that I have this resource, now that I have this valuable treasure of righteousness, peace, and joy? Well, what do I do to, to share that? What do I do to multiply that? Um, anybody that has a good treasure knows that there's a certain responsibility as far as how you handle that. Um, and that's where it really gets into fun stuff of, of multiplying what, whatever we've been given. So whatever my peace level is right now, I want to grow that. I realize that the peace I experience is valuable, but it's probably not at the at a hundred percent of its value in my life, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And so that's my hope for my neighbors. That's my hope for anybody that I talk to that really motivates me to share the gospel with them, the good news of the kingdom, is that I can imagine what their life might look like as their righteousness level. That righteousness, peace, and joy would become the daily experience. Mm. Of these people the mm-hmm. normal experience would be defined by those three words and those words those things are found in the holy spirit mm-hmm. that's where you find them that's so good you mentioned last night that and you kind of mentioned it earlier too when you were when you were talking about this um that your gospel presentation has kind of changed uh with these three elements as well can you talk a little bit about that yeah it's it's a um Every time you share good news with somebody, it's different. I think it should be in a certain way. Some things are always the same. Some things change, you know. So certain elements are, I think, in a, if you're really connecting with an individual or with a group of people, there's certain certain nuances or something that, that change to connect with the hearers. Hmm. Like when Jesus was talking to farmers, he used agricultural language, you know. Right. And so... Um, depending on who we're talking to, we we craft whoever we're sharing life with. We um, Paul said uh, he he became all things to all men so that he might win a few. So like when he's with the Greeks, he talks lofty, and when he's with the Jews, he talks Jewish language. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not hypocritical; it's just connection. Hmm. It's actually honoring the people. It's like, hey, I. I like you, and I, I want to communicate with you, and uh, I want to listen to you in your language. So anyway, crafting our language, um, there's there's an evolving art about that that is really cool, you know, um, that I really enjoy, uh, the art of communication that's just evolving uh, and always will be. And um, obviously the, the core of the gospel never changes, and if I boiled that down to a sentence, it's all of the kingdom is accessible because of who Jesus is. And what he did, that's the good news. Nice. You know, and I, that, that sentence is good anywhere, anytime, any place. And if I just get one sentence to say the gospel, that's it. The, um, to share really, um, something that I've enjoyed seeing come alive a lot on my streets is the prodigal son story. When people, um, when people are, are questioning, their relationship with God, when people are concerned about their relationship with God and they know that they've made choices that really have caused a lot of pain and struggle in their life and they don't have much left Hmm. and they've hit maybe a bad spot. The prodigal son story is Jesus told about the son that went away and, and the father that welcomes him back is just, just about as good as it gets. You know, you just, 
it's hard to go wrong with that one. And crafting it, you know, you can you can tell it just like Jesus told it. Um, you can you can modernize it or, or craft it to whatever the the situation is you feel like is at hand. But the the elements of the story that basically we screwed it all up. We took whatever good we started with. We squandered it all, and we came to a place where it's like, well, maybe if I go back to Dad and just tell him I'm really sorry, maybe he'll at least let me be a servant. Uh, maybe he'll at least give me a job, and maybe I can get something back under my feet. You know, like, at least I won't be slopping pigs, or at least I won't be sleeping in the street, or maybe I won't be whatever, whatever the the, the terrible rock-bottom situation is I'm in right now. Maybe I can make it a little bit better for myself if I go back and say I'm sorry. Well, just recently, and this is this is kind of a new one for me, but I, I hadn't seen it before uh, in all the times I've, I've shared the prodigal son story, but when the son comes home, the dad, the first thing he does is he interrupts his I'm sorry speech, and he says, quiet, I've got something to say to you. You're my son. You're back home. I'm really excited about that. You were dead, but now you're alive. You were lost, but now you're found. He hollers up to the house, hey, get the party ready. We're throwing a party. Then what he does for the son, he puts a robe on him. So I imagine the kid is coming home and he's pretty jacked up. He's not wearing his Jordan jogging suit, you know. And um, the dad says, here's here's a nice coat. And the coat to me is the, the robe of righteousness that we see other places in the scriptures. We see in the Old Testament, the New Testament, it talks about the robes of righteousness. So the dad puts on him a robe and he says, get some shoes for this kid's feet. He needs some, he needs some good shoes. So he puts shoes on him and those shoes to me say peace. It's the gospel of peace. It's the shoes that protect our feet. And then he puts a ring on his hand and we don't have the, we don't have the clear metaphor in the scripture that I'm aware of uh, where a ring relates to joy. But what I see in the ring is it's the joy of sonship. It's the ring that says, this is the family ring and only my son gets to wear this. And this means that he can do my business. And I see that God does business with joy. He does. He, he moves forward his agenda with joy hmm. and it's out of identity and it's out of family. And he puts that joy of identity and sonship back on his son's hand. And so he close. basically what I see in that story is again, that good news. And, and again, I don't think it's, it's just what I'm, I'm vibing with really good right now that I think is, I'm seeing it connect with people. Well, that people like they value the idea of righteousness, rightness, peace, and joy. And so when I got to see that in the in the story of the prodigal son, I was stoked. I was like, "Whoa, there it is again. There's righteousness, peace and joy really being the the experience of what it is to be in the kingdom." Hmm. It's so good. What does righteousness, peace and joy look like for your average neighbor? Yeah, well, life life to life, you know, it's it's different. Um I one of the first people I think about is my neighbor, Harry Jerry, and he's Harry and he's Jerry and his name is Jerry and he rides a bike around and when his shirt's off, you can see why we call him Harry and, uh, and he picks up cans all the time and Jerry is one of my favorite people. He's really fun. He's got the best stories. Most of my neighbors have better stories than your neighbors and I'll put that to the test. <laughs> I don't even care if they're true. 
most of the stories Jesus told weren't true stories. They were just stories. And man, my neighbors have good stories, <laughs> good personalities. That's why God loves them so much. And I love them. And they're making me better. And Jerry is one of those folks. And he rides around and picks up cans. And I thought, you know what? If Jerry's doing that, if he's living in righteousness, if he isn't doing something that's like just downright wrong and out of whack with the earth and the way God wants things to be, if he can if he can ride around and pick up cans and do that in a right way, and if he can be peaceful, if his if his common sense about life is one of peace, and as he's riding through the people he interacts with, um sense peace on him and if his joy level is constantly kind of on an increase man he can ride around my neighborhood and pick up cans and just be perfect Hmm. i mean he can just be perfect and is he fulfilled and is he living life that is good for him is he is he pleasing to god yeah i think god's happy with jerry as his, but for his sake and for the sake of the earth, I want to see his 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 experience of righteousness and peace and joy, just like mine. I want to see it just grow. I just want to see it get higher and higher. To where if he's, and Jerry's typically a, a fairly joyful guy. That's one that I feel like he kind of exudes joy. But if he's at a forty five percent, sixty five percent joy level, then I want to see him at an eighty five percent. And if he's at a twenty percent peace level. I want to see him up at 50, you know, I want to, and the same thing for my life. Like I, I'm kind of rating myself a little bit. I'm taking self-evaluation and saying, well, I've maybe, I've maybe practiced peace more than I've practiced and leaned into and been interested in the topic of righteousness. Maybe not out of wanting to be unrighteous, but I just, I just never really thought about it this way, but I realize I'm I feel like I'm pretty strong in peace, but we start talking about righteousness and it's not so much about like how many things I do wrong, but I just don't have as, I don't feel like I have as much, um, such a full experience and such a, a rewarding and fulfilling sense about whatever it is my relationship is to the, the topic of righteousness. So I'm like, hmm, I want to, I want to learn about that one. I wanna, maybe I'm missing something there. Maybe there's, there's some kingdom truth there that I just haven't learned yet. And mm. so I'm looking at that as kind of a, a way to say, hey, how am I doing? You know, let's, let's get these levels up. Hmm. That's good. Um, just two takeaways from last night's teaching on evangelism too. Um, I remember you just saying that everyone evangelizes and it's simply connection. You're connecting two people or, or two things. And so when, when a lady's uh, showing a picture of her grandbaby, she's evangelizing yeah so i just love that simple breakdown of of evangelism um i've used the one that says if you eat at a really good restaurant sure. and it's a good experience you're gonna go you're gonna go tell somebody about that because it was good you know right and we need to taste and see that the lord is good and we need to experience for our own lives and that's going to be the motivator for us to share it with others so right. That is so good. Um, we got to get back into some of these questions. We're totally off track, but it's an awesome <laughs> off track. I'm, I'm loving it. Um, Jared, what's been the highlight of your ministry? Is there a story? Uh, you shared a lot of awesome stories, but is there one story that you can think of that you're just saying, man, this is the, the highlight of what I've seen God do so far? Wow. Um, I could think of 
I could think about that one for a while and I would like to I would like to think of a story that just really epitomizes the the larger move of God the things that I see that God has done in our neighborhood the most um, but but there's so much on on different levels of like church unity stuff um, family things so it's hard to it's hard to pick one story that I feel like speaks to the kind of the different dynamics that I that I see that God's God's done um, some of the but that said um, the story with AJ <laughs> the Kiwi and the uh, and Jesus getting introduced to Kiwi and Jesus that's mm. a that's a fun one um, I really like um, I really like the fact that the first time I went into my friend Mike Thompson's house I was a skinny white homeschool boy from the suburbs and I realized I was sitting on the couch of what would be affectionately called a crack house and uh and I hadn't I didn't it was late at night and I'm like ooh mate I'm looking around and seeing stuff going on in this house that I uh, kind of made me uncomfortable stuff going on around me and I didn't realize what I'd walked into but he said hey man come on in and I'm like I'm sitting on this couch kind of feeling over my head a little bit I'm like I don't know what to do in this situation I don't I, maybe I should just like get up and slowly leave I don't know um, but sitting on that couch and realizing wait a minute I think I'm right where Jesus would want to be hmm. I think Jesus would be really stoked if Mike Thompson invited him into this house hmm. so what does it look like for me to be here like okay what do I need to, and I honestly, I didn't, I didn't have some immediate epiphany to where I stood up and preached to the whole house and they all fell down on the knees and cried. Like I literally just sat on the couch and soaked this moment in and was like, I don't know what to do, but it, it, that was a moment of, of realizing that what I, what that led me to was the question of how can Jesus be completely holy, but still be invited to the party? Because Jesus was. I mean, that's the sense we get in the scriptures. The the tax collectors, the prostitutes, those are the words we throw out there for kind of the the, the scum of society, as us self-righteous people would call them. Like, they wanted to hang out with Jesus, you know? And they were breaking into people's houses to just come hang out with Jesus at dinner. It's like, hey, I came in the door. It's cool because uh, Jesus is here. You know, like, they just walk up in somebody's house because Jesus is in there eating. And, you know, it's like, those are the folks that wanted to be around him, so... Now, Mike Thompson, we call it Thompson's Sport House. And he calls me and says, hello, Reverend Jared Miller. And I say, what's up, Reverend Mike Thompson? And, uh, and I take my kids over there now to his house to watch football games and hang out with Mike Thompson because Mike Thompson, has com- his life is completely different now than it was, and he follows Jesus. And, and man, it's just, it's amazing. And it's amazing. And it's not, it's not a life without mess. It's not like Mike is completely void of any messy situation in his life, and he has some sterile environment around him now. But I take my kids over to his house to watch football, you know, like, Seven years ago, I was not, I wasn't, I wasn't taking anybody to Mike Thompson's house. I wasn't taking myself to Mike Thompson's house until I like prayed and fasted, you know, like and literally, you know, I was calling for backup. I think I might go to Mike Thompson's. I need a, I need somebody to go with me, you know, like it was that type. So just, that's fun. You know, that's life transformation stuff. Um, 
people growing coming to know Jesus now in our neighborhood and denominationalism not being a grid of normal like mm-hmm. they're not they're not relating their Christian walk to to the name Methodist or the name Baptist or the name Assemblies of God they're they're relating their Christian walk to Jesus mm-hmm. and the other people in this neighborhood that know Jesus so like good. Jesus is the common denominator he's the name and we're loving our neighbors and loving each other and we're still we got a long way to go we got practice and get good at that but that's kind of the the foundation there in our neighborhood so that i could tell you stories about that there's there's a fun one just a a, a highlight of it anywhere in my walk whether anywhere in the world whether it was in my neighborhood or anything just just a high watermark of experience for me was um Right next door to Mike Thompson, there's a lady named Christina that lived um, there. And we were walking down the street one night and I had not met Christina. She um, she lived in the house with her girlfriend, Tab. Christina and Tab were lesbians living there. There were some other people living in the house. I didn't know Christina, but I knew Tab. But that's her nickname. And I'd known her for a few years. And we're walking down the street. We had headed out one night. To, we wanted to go pray in our neighborhood. And end up talking to to tab and a few other folks that were there as we walked past and and uh tab had always walked with a cane um i didn't know what was wrong with her leg or or what it was but i asked her if we could pray for her whatever was wrong asked her what was wrong she explained that she had broken her foot a few years before and that even with surgery and stuff the the foot hadn't healed properly and so there was always pain and she had to walk with this cane we prayed for her foot, asked her to check it out and see if it was feeling any better, which is, by the way, like kind of the uh, key point in the difference between praying a healing prayer and playing, praying what I call a bless me prayer, which I still pray bo- both. I'll pray blessings for somebody. But if you're praying for somebody to get healed and you have any expectation whatsoever that they might get healed, the natural thing to do is to ask them, were they healed Hmm. like has something happened like there's a one percent chance that something happened how will we know so we asked her like well did anything change and she's like that she was kind of most people are kind of surprised that like there's any expectation that something might have changed but that's really what separates it's not the prayer almost all the time it's real or not we ask after we pray like how's it feeling now Hmm. and so we say hey tab how's it feeling now and she kind of puts her weight on it and test it and starts eventually she's stomping on the ground with her previously bad foot saying it doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt she is like dancing a jig like throwing her knee up in the air just stomping her foot on the sidewalk saying it doesn't hurt i'm like this is wild when she tries this thing out she's really trying it out you know her mom tab's mom is there tab's mom is probably in her late 60s she asked us to pray for her her back we pray for her back. It gets healed. She's doing little laps up and down this little hill in their front yard saying, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I mean, just like out of a some sort of weird movie or something, this little old, tiny little old lady, middle of the night, I'm healed. I'm healed. Just like that. You know, prayed for her ear. She had something going on in her ear that got healed. Uh, meanwhile, Christina is next door. I didn't even, I wasn't even really aware of her at this point, but she's standing off to the side observing us, not wanting to come over mm-hmm. and not, and like, obviously keeping her distance, right? Mm-hmm. Tab realizes that 
the girlfriend that we just prayed for, she goes over and says, I'm going to get Christina. Can you all pray for Christina? I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, she's over there. So Tab drags Christina over to us, literally like a little girl, like <laughs> dragging her feet like a donkey, like digging her heels in, like literally doing that. I'm like, yeah. this is awkward. Like, this is not... I'm really not forceful in this stuff. I don't like awkward situations, but it was Tab's idea. You know, it was her idea. I'm just following her yeah. lead at this point. She's dragging her girlfriend over so we can pray for her. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So we asked Christina, I'm like, what's going on? She says, I have like a sinus headache always. Like the front of my face just hurts like a sinus headache constantly. I'm like, okay, we can pray for that. I had an idea. Tab. Why don't you pray for Jesus? I'm thinking, everybody's told me that we don't heal people. Jesus heals people. We're just making the connection. Again, just that connection. So, Tab can ask Jesus to heal. Really, anybody here can just ask Jesus to heal Christina. So I said, Tab, why don't you pray for Christina? And Tab's like, okay. So we both go to lay hands on Christina's face. Christina immediately responds in pain and says, ow, ow, and pushes our pushes our hand away from her face. I'm like, oh, sorry. I didn't realize that the pain was so hmm. severe. Like we couldn't even lightly touch her face. Uh, lead Tab in a kind of a repeat after me prayer. Just Tab pray, Holy Spirit come. She says, Holy Spirit come. Evil spirits leave. Evil spirits leave. Jesus healed Christina's face. Jesus healed Christina's face. Be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Christina, what's going on? How's it feeling? She starts, Christina starts touching around her nose area and says, oh my God. And then she says, Tab, feel my face. Grabs Tab's hand. They're both feeling her, Christina's face at this point. Saying, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. The pain is gone. So I realize the pain is gone, but they seem to really be enjoying touching Christina's face. I don't know what they're touching her face for. I realize the pain's gone. Christina grabs my hand. Touch my face. Feel my face. I'm feeling her face. This is a little strange. <laughs> touching this woman's face. Don't really know why. And she realizes I don't know why. And she says, oh, you don't understand. She said, I had this pain in my face from doing drugs. I had melted the my nasal cavity the bridge of my nose was mush i could smush the bridge of my nose to my face wow i'm feeling her face and it feels just like her face should feel like to me and god had instantly rebuilt the bridge of her nose wow so she is freaking out i'm freaking out i'm like what i had no idea maybe i would have prayed my best prayer had I known it was this severe you know that kind of thought kind of comes in it's like whoa that's big it really what's the difference to God doing a miracle but to me it was marvelous and to her it's marvelous we pray for her. she um, God gives us some words of knowledge about her having panic attacks and and night terrors while she's sleeping we pray for her sleep feel like God tells her that she's going to have great sleep um, and um, we um we were ended up being there for two and a half hours. Like we had like 10 or 11 miracles happen that night. We wow. circle up and pray different folks, not a lot with Christina and Tab there and their mom, but circle up and pray a couple of ladies that I didn't, I, I don't know these ladies names to this day. Probably met them that night. I probably had their names that night, but these ladies just, just kind of interrupt the prayer and they're part of the circle. But as I'm praying, bless me prayers for everybody. They interrupt and say, God, 
I've been far away from you, God, and I need to repent and need to get right with you, God. And then the next lady starts saying, Lord, please forgive me, God, because I've been far away from you. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> nobody told these ladies to do this. They're just responding wow. to this powerful thing that's happening. It was like, I felt like we were standing on the site of like the beginning of the Welsh revival or Azusa street or something. It's like, this is what it feels like mm. to be somewhere when God just sovereignly just shows up and just decides to boom. I leave Christina that night and Christina was really the one that was most highlighted to me in God's heart. Like I just, it was plain that God was just really reaching out to Christina in a powerful way even more more than anybody else that night to me that seemed that way and uh i'd left her that night with a bible and said here read first john she said i won't read it i said what What like instant rejection like instant turned down like what do you mean like she just oh i forgot to tell you she she used to be able to stick her index finger in between her two nostrils through the the wall of her nose because there was a hole there so the cartilage had been disappeared and the bone the bridge had turned to mush well the bone was back which sitting on the porch she tells me about being able to stick her finger between her nose she said i'm not sure if the hole is still there or not i'm like what do you mean you don't know i don't know how this kind of thing works i've never had a hole that huge but she had a gauge hole through her nose she's she says i said well how do you how can you tell she said well i can go inside and look I'm like, okay. So she goes inside. She comes out. Looks like she's seen a ghost. You know, just like <gasps> mouth dropped, pace, face is pale. I'm like, I, instantly I know what she's about to tell me, but I've got it here. I'm like, right. what? what is it? And she's like, I can't find the hole. I'm like, what? Like, I've never heard of this. Like, wow. never even heard of this. So, But then she says, no, I won't read your Bible. I'm like, what? I, I, I don't feel like I'm being like overbearing at this point in the right. relationship. You know, two hours later, she's gotten wrecked. I tell her to read First John. She says, no, I leave the Bible with her anyway. Check in with her several times. Over the next year, she told us the next day and over the next weeks that she never had night terrors again. Wow. Her sleep, she stopped taking sleeping medication, and she had peaceful sleep from that day until, I don't know, I, I never heard a different report other than that. And uh, probably invited her to come to a church meeting with us a few times. She turned me down. But our relationship kept getting stronger. And I asked God, I said, God, what do I say to her about like the lesbian relationship there that she's in? And like, how do I, I don't, I don't know how you want, what, how do you want me to stand on that right now, God, with Christina, just for Christina in this situation, in this moment. And this is what God said to me. He said, just tell Christina to do whatever I'm telling her to do. And he said, and I will woo her with my kindness. Oh man, that still just wrecks me to this day. I'm like, isn't that like the message for all of us? Like just do what God's telling us to do every day. And if we don't do that, then we're not following him any more than anybody else is. Like we don't, we don't get to coast on our previous righteous acts that we did last week or something. Like we don't, it's it's a life of just following Jesus. And Christina started following Jesus. Jesus, whatever the path Jesus was leading her and was calling her along and wooing her to himself with his kindness, just blatant kindness. Every time she would ask for something, she would get it. It was just 
uh, remarkable, mm. um, one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. A year later, she pops her head out. I'm picking up Mike Thompson, my Thompson Reverend Mike Thompson, <laughs> to take him to church with me. And uh, and Christina lives next door. Pops her head out. What are y'all doing? I said, Well, we're going to church. She says, Can I come? I said, Sure. You know, she had never just suddenly she wants to go to church meeting with us. We go down Church of the Promise Methodist Church there that were so good dear friends of ours and uh and christina comes and sits on the front row in these folding chairs in this little chapel room that we were in and i remember larry that morning pastor larry his sermon was less of a sermon he spoke less than he read and what he read was a chapter and a half of first john he read the whole chapter first john 4 true love is from god perfect love casts out fear all this stuff. And Christina is weeping, crying on the front row. And she looks over at me and says, that's in the Bible? In the middle of the sermon, she's whispering over to me. And I said, yeah, I told you to read that like a year ago. <laughs> and it was another just plain demonstration that God had custom made a plan to reach into Christina's life and just just get her just because he loved her, just because he delights in her. And so now, I mean, I have a, have a video of Christina telling a two-minute version of that story herself, sitting on Mike Thompson's front porch, and we videotaped her. And she says, "For the past two, three years, I can see clearly that God is in my life." She said, "I used to be an atheist." She said, "When I first met these people, they didn't know I was a lesbian living with a woman. They didn't know I was an atheist. They didn't know anything about me." She said, but for the past two, three years since then, I, I can clearly see that God has been a part of my life. And she says, I am a faithful follower of Jesus. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> like, dude, you just, ah, oh, and that's, that's just good. You know, and that's, that's the type of love that I see God having for our neighborhood that always just outmatches any love that we think we've got for anybody. And that's really what draws us along and keeps us in the game. It's like, man, God loves this place. I don't know if he loves any other neighborhood that much. I can just talk about mine. But, man, I know he loves our neighborhood. And he loves Slevin Street. That's his favorite street on the planet. You can't prove me wrong on that one. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm going to actually wrap up this part of the interview now. I think we're going to have to do what we've never done before and do a part two with Jared Miller. And uh, so, Jared, would you just close us out um, and our time and just pray for our listeners? Sure. God, I just um, just pray that uh, for all of us, God, that you would uh, you would increase our awareness of you, your presentness with us, and our presentness with you, God, our presence with you, that you have indeed seated us in in heavenly places with you, and uh, and that you have made yourself present with us here on earth as well. And God, just increase our awareness, our capacity to be aware of those two present realities. And, and also just to, God, we're just grateful. Out of that, we're just really grateful for that. Uh, grateful for you, God. And um, so, God, I just I just pray um, increase of, of ownership and, and integration with the Holy Spirit life, with righteousness and peace and joy, that that treasure would be on the increase and uh, in, in all of us, God. Um, God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in our earth right now. And we just, we just love being alive and love getting to be part of what you're doing. And so, 
Um, we love you, Lord, and thank you for loving us. Amen. Amen. Jared, this interview has been awesome. I just love the testimonies of what you're doing in life, what Jesus is doing through you. And uh, just, yeah, just awesome stuff. And I'm excited to do part two soon. Thanks, man. Good to be here with you. If you haven't checked out the new doingministrywell.com website, check it out. We chose Swissco to do our overhaul and are so happy with the results. Swissco makes ministry websites beautiful and hassle-free. Schedule a free consultation today at swissco.us. Hi, this is Brian Ensminger. If you enjoyed Doing Ministry Well, we'd really appreciate it if you'd check out the Engaging Missions show, where we deliver God's stories to your earbuds. You can find us at engagingmissions.com. If you've enjoyed this episode of Doing Ministry Well, you can help us out by rating, commenting, and subscribing on iTunes and sharing this podcast with your friends. Check out the podcast notes to find out more about today's guests and other resources. And if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions on who we should interview next, contact us at doingministrywell.com. If you'd like to find out more about me, your host, visit my blog at jimjessbaker.com. That's jimjess as in Jessica, baker.com.